sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am only your classic nerd. And I'm V, I'm your comic book nerd. Ali, your people have gone insane on uh, Twitter. Which people is that? Well, not just on Twitter, but like in life. Uh, the boomers. The boomers. Yes. They're not my people. They're your people, bro. I have boomer moments, though. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were, so someone very eloquently put it the other day that boomer isn't an age, it's a mindset. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went, low. I feel that. I feel that sometimes. <laughs> have you guys seen this shit online? Yeah. No. So, oh, what? Um, boomers are now saying, calling them boomers that is ages. Like the N word. Yeah. Oh, they actually my God. said it's the N word for ageism. So, for people that don't know, people who are listening to this fifty years down the line are wondering what are we talking about. So, there's an internet phenomenon or a meme in which millennials and Gen Z, mostly Gen Z, responds to older people by saying "Okay, boomer," mm-hmm. uh, and this is a, a way of saying like you know, boomer referring to the baby boomers, the older generation. Now, most of the people that they say, okay, boomer to are actually like Gen X, right? Like, they're not yeah, actually yeah. boomers. Um, but it's now, it's made the old, it's made old people really angry. Yeah, they're pissed. <laughs> and as is like, as is typical of like the weird, uh, white American victimization, right? In which 55% of white Americans think that they've actually, they've been, they face discrimination, <laughs> This is true. Oh, this is an actual yeah, study. Yeah. Is it they really? Now, they really do. 55% of America, white Americans think that being white is a, is a disadvantage. There's a discrimination against white people in this country. 55%. Oh, wow. So there's a, a self-victimization, a grievance you know, issue there. But um, they now have extended this to <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> Meaning that if you say any okay, boomer to anyone, they're like, that's like the N-word for ageism. Yeah. It's all wow. Like, wait, what? It's funny because by saying that, by then, like the New York Times has written about it, a bunch of places I've written about, like, okay, boomer isn't acceptable. The funny thing is, it's only made okay, boomer that much worse. And now, if you go to any comment section or you see anyone's tweets that calls this out, it's just literally an endless line of people going, okay, boomer, okay, boomer, okay, yeah. boomer. Well, so they stri sand affected it. Yeah, they made it worse. It was really kind of a TikTok snapchat thing really more than it was anything else uh and then they showed up a little bit on twitter and then it just kind of exploded out of out of it but someone actually put it out quite eloquently is that as much as it's funny it also stems from the fact that when millennials and gen z say okay boomer what they're really saying is that you're wrong you have systematically dismissed everything that I've said, but I'm too exhausted to have this debate with you. Yeah. I'm mm. strung out on student loans. I'm exhausted from working two jobs. I don't have the time or patience to educate your dumb ass on how to open a PDF. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so if anything, it actually shows how deep our understanding of language is that we're able to express these things with two words. Well, yeah, there's, there, as much as there's a lot in the internet that I find problematic right and there's a lot of the impact of the internet that i've always said we need to be very critical of it like the impact on the internalization of capitalism i think the or neoliberal logic i think the self-centeredness of the internet the desire for clout which produces both horrific experience like horrific like violations of other people right for Mm -hmm. clout or uh or the kind of stupid confessional component of it where like you reveal too much about yourself, including your body. Like all of that is like to me, I'm like, ah, we need to be critical of this. Mm-hmm. The one thing that the internet has done kind of beautifully 
is the impact on language. I know people talk yeah. about like, oh, it's killing the American language. But like, if you live in the era that we live in, you can just look around. The lingo that's used online, the language, the jargon that's used online is so fucking creative and entertaining. Yeah. And like the kind of the 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 signposting that happens or the signifiers, like, okay, boomer is two words. Yep. But it's laden with so much meaning, right? You can use it. You can use it. Uh, someone was talking about how he was watching his 13-year-old hanging out with her friends. And all they kept doing was call one another, okay, boomer, whenever they did something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like, there's an element of like bonding over it. There's an element of like it laden with pure, just pure exhaustion and dismissal. Like the, the context of okay, boomer is actually one of those things. It's like it's really fucking fascinating. And that's uniquely wow. just internet language. Yeah. It's like that word aloha where it means hello and goodbye. Yeah, I love that. This is one, the one thing about the internet. This is why I enjoy actually urban dictionary things because I yeah. do like the language portion of the internet. That stuff fascinates me is how like words evolve and develop their own meanings. And then they have like certain flavors to them. So like the OK Boomer thing I'm a big fan of. And I've, I've used it myself self yeah like okay i've I've said it to myself actually i was like there's a moment the other day where i was trying to figure out how to use my uh, the stupid iphone this new one what's this one called again this pro max the pro max i was trying to figure out i couldn't figure out where to find my calculator because the old one i was in the bottom uh, the old iphone you swipe from the bottom and apparently on this one you swipe from the top top right so i couldn't yeah top right so i couldn't figure it out i'm like where the hell is my swipe to the left, swipe to the left. I'm like, all right, where do I go to find this calculator? This is too much work. I actually Googled it. <laughs> and I went there, I'm like, wow, that was a boomer moment. Bro, I gave you a book on that. Under oh, yeah, it's here somewhere. Understanding my iPhone for seniors. <laughs> yeah, but that's a different iPhone. <laughs> it's obsolete now. It's the same fucking phone, bro. It's about the 10. Dude, no. Because, like, so in my line of work, I get a lot of like legitimate boomers that come into you know, yeah. where I work and the shit that they ask me for or the shit that like they, they come in is the most ridiculous stuff in the world for like people our age. So I had a lady come in because she's like, my texts aren't working. And I'm like, Oh, you just need to update the app. What does that mean? I'm like, you just click that button that says update and then it'll update the app. And she's like, right. why does it have to update? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't create the damn app. It just says you have to update it. <laughs> well, see, I think part of it, there's two components is that's really important to talk about. Because this is an interesting yeah, yeah. phenomenon, right? First, there's the entitled, obviously the entitlement component, mm -hmm. right? The older generation, I mean, you can attest to this for the line of work that you've done. Days, you can attest oh, yeah. to this, to the line of work you've done. I can't because I refuse to work with them. But it's like there, there is a level of like of entitlement of like, I expect things the way that I want them. And if it doesn't work that way, then I'm going to get angry and you need to show them like, there is that level of it. Right. The other component is like, there is a level of sympathy I have as well that goes, all right, well, they're trying to learn something completely foreign to them and it's difficult. So I appreciate some of those older people that do text or that they do like, they actually make an effort to learn that stuff. Cause I'm like, all right, good, good on you. Right. Mm-hmm. The But the other aspect of this that I find interesting is that we take yeah, for yeah. granted that we need to shape ourselves to the technology. So we've been so – we've been so inundated or inculcated in this kind of digital tech culture because of it's all our lives that it just comes – with the territory, we go, we have to adjust, we have to learn, we have to learn that we need to do certain things in order for the technology to work, 
Uh-huh. Whereas they don't come yeah. from that mindset. The idea is that technology is meant to serve them. Yeah. So they have a very different kind of, it's, there's a flipping of the script that's going on. Right. And I think this, that right there, that's one, a clear generational divide, but that's also something that I think we should be aware of and push back. There are things that we just kind of fucking accept as normative. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do we do that? Like, why do we accept that this is the, the way things should be? Yeah. I would argue though, that that boomer mindset with technology is the reason why the matrix happened because yeah. <laughs> it's literally, if you watch animatrix, right? It's some, it's some fucking boomer guy, you know, killing a, a robot or whatever. Right. And then the and then the machines decide that they're going to take that shit anymore. And then, you know, they mm. fuck up society and then we become battery swarm or whatever. Look, right? I, I believe I believe that's not boomer in any way, shape or form. I think that's radical liberation. Fuck robots. Listen, if I've I've, I've flat out said that if I ever see one of those little drones that like, you know, the car drones that carry people's food, I'm gonna flip that thing over. <laughs> I'm gonna flip it over. It's a, you're on my road. I refuse to share my road with that thing. That's terrible. That don't do or that. If I, or if I see one of those uh, the the police ones that try to like uh, like pull you over and give you a ticket, I'm gonna high speed chase that shit. Oh, <laughs> bring it on! Yeah, and, like I refuse to accept the authority of robots. At, at least fucking that is OJ moment. That is a that's my radical. <laughs> Can you imagine that? There's <laughs> an aerial shot of my car, and it's because I I'm running away from a police robot. I haven't committed any actual like big crime, but that's the thing that finally breaks. Yeah. That's the thing that breaks. Instead me. of a fucking Ford Bronco, it's an Audi A4 because you're a one percenter. <laughs> I'm gonna be driving down the road. I refuse to pull over. This yeah. Audi only give pulls me a over. human to deal with. <laughs> No, man, here's the thing, all right? Boomers that come in that genuinely, like, ask me questions because they don't know things, I'm okay with, right? right? Like, old man today uh, accidentally deleted his calendar app, and he didn't know how to get it back. Fair enough, bro. You know, like, here, let me show you how to get it back. And he's like, you know, thank you so much. Like, I appreciate you taking the time and, like, showing me how to do this. Boomers who come in and they're like, this isn't working. It's your fault. Fix it now. And I'm just like, that's the people I have an issue with. Well, because there's two there's two components that there's the entitlement towards the technology right like it has to do what I want to but then there's also the fucking entitlement towards you mm-hmm. right that you're there to serve him that that I'm um that's boomer mentality through and through oh, and yeah. I think that when people say okay boomer that's also what they're referring to not just like oh I can't open a PDF but that level of fucking petulant man baby dem- entitled bullshit that then gets Tra- like translated into vitriol towards everybody else. Oh yeah, right. There's a there, someone actually posted up a meme. It's like, okay, boomers, uh, answer me this. And this was about uh, fundamentally about Medicare for all and um, uh, college f- being free. And it showed uh, an image of a train mm-hmm. uh, hurtling down, and you're standing at the lever, and it's got two tracks. You pull the lever, it goes on one track. If you keep it, it stays on the other. But if you keep it, it will run over people that are tied on the track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's a twist on this, that it's already run over five people behind it. So it goes, this is the boomer mentality, right? It's like, oh, well, it's already killed five people. I'm just going to let it kill five more people. That's the argument for not having Medicare for all or for forgiving student debt. I had to pay for my debt. You have to pay for it. Well, I'm sorry. Everyone else got fucked over. But I come from the mentality of saying, if people get fucked over, let's try to fix it, not let's let keep more people getting fucked over. Yeah, I never so understood that. that. 
honestly. Like that's uh, that makes perfect sense to me. But I that's the boomer mentality right there. Yeah, no, I could see that because there is a whole lot of like I I didn't understand. I never understood the whole part of there's this weird pride about like you having to go through more struggles when in actuality it's all like well we found a better way of doing it. Uh, but somehow that makes you soft. I don't. I don't really understand like that that mentality a lot of the time with people. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I do. I, I do love this meme. Please keep using yeah. it. Or it fucking tickles me pink. There's the one of Principal Skinner from. It's from an old episode of The Simpsons where it's all like, "Could I be so out of touch?" And he goes, "No, it's the children that are wrong." Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah. That's the that's the boom mentality. Yeah, I mean that's totally. <laughs> And uh, you know, speaking of like those uh, police drones things, I, I think I linked you guys that article about like the Amazon facial recognition thing. I saw that. Or yeah. like a yeah, false identified gonna... the athletes as criminals. Like, yeah, we're gonna have a whole conversation about this, but this is a really good one. Is that we're talking about this is where I'm like, okay, the okay boomer mentality, yeah. as horrible as it is when it comes to certain aspects of technology, that's the where the pushback should be. Yeah, there's a. There, I think our next episode or the episode after that, we're gonna have a whole conversation where we break down the Amazon technology, both in terms of uh, face recognition where it links to people. Uh, then there's also the, the its connection to ICE, but then also Facebook's face recognition technology which was literally built in like fucking gaza oh, so these things are like these are like these are the conversations that need to be had so as much as we're shitting on boomers today next week we'll be going all right maybe they're they're entitled pieces of shit but some aspects of technology let's rethink yeah. these. Well, what are the next generation going to call us when we you know when we yeah, get all crotchety on them right well people call millennials boomers as well sometimes when millennials have their moments yeah, that's true yeah no, and, I guess that makes uh, sense. You definitely see it. There is, a, and there is, as much as we talk about how millennials and Gen Z are very similar, there are, though, interestingly enough, Gen Z is a slight, like marginally a little bit more conservative um, than, than uh, millennials are. Not in the sense like they vote Republican, but in the sense that they have a, an even greater distrust of the political systems than we do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is still a divide between them. There is a very clear one. And I think one example is the fact that uh, millennials on the whole uh, have a dis- there's still an element of like face recognition technology that stuff still makes us a little bit uncomfortable it could be just me but I think we grew up in the generation of the Patriot Act so there's yeah. an element of resistance there right whereas I think Gen Z just take it for granted and I know millennials are on like TikTok and Vine and all that stuff and so is Gen Z but I know for me I look at TikTok and that makes me slightly uncomfortable yeah, well, it's, a- it's yeah. entertaining it's fun but I'm also like it's building a vast face recognition technology, and its algorithm is almost predictive. That should make everyone uncomfortable. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like the mo- I think you mentioned it before. It was like it's like the most advanced like facial recognition yeah. system in the world, right? Like yeah, it's got the most advanced algorithm in the world, not oh, okay. face recognition, but it's building that. So its algorithm is so advanced that it is predictive. People talk about how they will think about something. And TikTok will bring it up. And it's not reading your mind, but it, it's built such an advanced knowledge of your behavior that it knows exactly what to recommend for you. And again, it's not yeah. yeah, it's not doing it because it's some type of, you know, Skynet. It's doing it because it wants you to stay on TikTok. This is also one of the reasons why anybody who's on TikTok will admit it is the most addictive app that's ever been around. More than Snapchat. Now, Snapchat was addictive, but this is like on another level of of addictive people talk about how it's literally even changed their behavior uh in regards to like the way they dress the way they think all of that so tiktok is super super uh addictive and it's because of that algorithm right so that's the level of for me there's a level of discomfort there i'm like ah uh, i'm not so sure about this there's a lady who just tweeted about the fact that she uses an app to tr- uh, track her menstrual cycle right 
she forgot to update the app for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And Facebook started to inundate her with congratulations messages about pregnancy. Oh, oh my God. Oh, buy baby clothes and this and all that. Like, like all really happy news stuff. Like, oh, look. And she's like, why the hell is Facebook sent? Like, what algorithm is going on here that it's thinking I'm pregnant? It's like, I've never looked at any pregnancy website. I haven't looked. What is it? Com-? And it turned out it was the app. Oh wow! So she updated her app, and all the ads went away. Have you? Do you guys watch? You guys don't watch Silicon Valley, right? No, no. That's what kind of this season about of Silicon Valley is about, um, where like the the guys at Pied Piper are making a new internet that's like not tracking your data to sell it to ads and shit. But then one of the people on their like one of their partners is tracking your data, and he's found a way to fucking. Like anything you say in real time, will put an ad on the video game that he has on their network and shit. It's insane, dude. That's crazy. Oh, wow. I mean, the internet. Yeah, I mean, it, technology, the internet, and all in general is pretty fucked up, right? But it does, it does create some, <laughs> it does create some interesting things, right? You know, we get all sorts of great memes. There's that cat oh, that yeah. like uh, that reads the weird words, right? With the the the, 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 the girl who's crying and then the little the cat with the, with the plate in front of him and shit, right? Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite memes. I love that. It does all sorts of amazing things. Right. I mean, you know, it, it entertains us. It, it kills time for us. It creates some unhealthy you know, uh, relationships with women and understanding about how their bodies work and shit. Right. But more importantly, right, it, it, it's the reason why we play games now, though, the, the modern gaming industry is built on the beautiful and destructive tendencies of the Internet. That's right. True. And this past weekend, you know, was uh, was BlizzCon 2019. Right, which I think is important because number one, we've we've discussed Blizzard and their whole thing, the ongoing thing with Hong Kong and Blitzchung and everything. Uh, but you know, BlizzCon is one of the biggest uh, events of the year for gamers because Blizzard happens to you know be the maker of some of the most popular games in the world, and they're also kind of pioneering a lot of you know a lot of esports now. You know, they're one of they're definitely one of the biggest companies in the world for that. And uh, you know, I was interested to see what was going to happen this past weekend at BlizzCon because because of the protests mm-hmm. in Hong Kong and everything, right? And there was oh, yeah. a lot of all sorts of stuff going on. Last year, people were really pissed at Blizzard because, you know, their big reveal was for that Diablo uh, mobile game, you know? And then it got really, I, got, I felt really bad because if you ever watch it, there's just like this Asian guy on there like trying to talk about the game and all these fucking furious ass nerds are sitting there yelling at him, you know, like while he's on stage and it's like him trying to dodge all these bullets in this really Wait, awkward way. Why Why were they upset? They were really mad because it's like we waited all year. Uh, this was 2018. We waited all year for like the big Blizzard reveal of BlizzCon and they revealed a mobile game. It always seems like as much as nerds, like nerds love Blizzard, but they're, they always seem to be angry at it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's, I always think it's funny too, right? Because, you know, I, I stopped playing Overwatch a while ago, but like whenever I played, uh, there was always a uh, there was always someone who got upset because they lost, who somehow blamed it oh, on yeah. the game, right? More so than yeah. The, there's no more. I mean, speaking of petulant, there's no more uh, petulant, whiny group than gamers. Yes. Right? Speaking, <laughs> let's be yeah, real. As as a delegate of that congregation, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man babies, yeah, the whole subculture of man. Babies. Every single one of them, and I'll tell you that right now. I'm not, you know, I'll be the first to tell you that though that gamers are horrible. At the same time, they also happen to be my closest friends. So, you know, I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, like in this weird thing. But anyway, so like well, BlizzCon this year, you know, with with all the protests that were going on in Hong Kong and with, you know, their horrible, horrible dealing of that, 
right? And with last year's BlizzCon being such a such a bad event for the you know their fans, they really kind of came out the door um, swinging on this one, right? In the yeah. sense that you know they um, they brought a lot of cinematic trailers, which they happen to be very talented at. I mean, you can you attest for this, Ali, because you've played Blizzard games before. They are the masters of like you know like the six minute uh, cinematic yeah. trailer. Right or like yeah, the cinematic. Tra- I've always said that Blizzard's greatest skill is the cinematic tra- yeah, trailers. Yeah, more than anything else. And I will tell you, I watched it. I don't know if you guys watched the Diablo Four one, but when I saw it, you know, I was ready to. I was ready to scrape a pentagram into the middle of my room and start. I got to check it yeah, out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, amazing. Where they lack is a storytelling component. Oh yeah, it, right. It's like as much as like it's it's overly simple. Like how many fucking times is Diablo coming? Yeah. Back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like at some point you're like, all right, come on, guys. Yeah, this is this is too much. You know, it's this like for all much. for all the abilities you give us and all the big ass shoulders you give us, right? We really are inefficient with our ability to kill the things that we've already killed. Right. Yeah. But does that mean that I won't be playing Diablo Four? Absolutely not. No, and you'll be happy. You know, no, because I saw this right now. They released four classes for Diablo Four, right? And it's the uh, the uh, the druid who turns into a bear, right? Uh, the barbarian. Uh, the sorceress and the, or and then oh, excuse me it's three right now and there's going to be two more that they're going to be talking about but the sorceress becomes like this ball lightning thing and like goes around the room it's fucking awesome oh so she's got that archon thing yeah yeah know, that diablo 3 hat yeah no i'm definitely going to be playing it we're gonna have we're gonna so, you know i'm gonna get so me and ali we played diablo 2 religiously in high school uh oh, spent God, hours yeah. on it right and um so this one this trailer i will tell you what they did was and a lot of people were saying this is the actual that people are considering this to be the actual um, successor of Diablo two, uh, more than Diablo three. Yeah, because Diablo three, the tone, oh, the tone was not what people remember Diablo two being. Now, yeah, yeah, right. So it was people talked. About it was that. too much kind of fantasy epic and less kind of like dark, you know, like dark yeah. um, devil bone type thing. Right. This one yeah. is about the return of Lilith, um, oh. the demon. Yeah, so her return. Um, to to the world of uh, to sanctuary to like the world of of the Nephilim and everything. Who's the daughter of Mephisto? Now, okay, I'm definitely checking this out. If you watch this movie, it's eight minutes long or something like that, right? And they holy and shit. they decided to rather than going the whole epic adventure route, they went more kind of this interesting horror element, Clive Barker type thing, where it was like oh great blood magic, right? Like a big thing, a lot of like love sigils, it. right? People being love sacrificed. It, Right. So V can attest to this is that that's what drew us to Diablo in the first place. Not like that it was macabre, but what made Diablo so good, Diablo's not that clever of a game. It's just a dungeon game. It's a hack and slash, right? You just go in and you and you spam one or two things, right? It's not overly complex. But what made Diablo so fa- fantastic, which is how fucking creepy it was for its age, for the time that it came out, it was so wonderfully creepy. You'd, you'd grow, you'd be sitting there and you'd be sitting in the dark and playing it and you could just feel the chills oh, yeah. and the nerves and you'd just be so and there'd be moments where you like like you'd be like standing outside of a door before you open you're just like i fucking know it (laughs) open this thing up and all hell is gonna break loose how many times did you get that feeling and you just have to you just pause you'd be like i've just cleared this room i know i open this door and there's like 600 of the fallen there gotta take a moment (laughs) catch my breath and prepare myself for this so there is that's what made diablo so great it was wonderfully suspenseful suspenseful not an overly complicated plot not overly clever you know design but it did such a really good way of kind of drawing you in and this is what i call atmospherics that's what diablo did really well absolutely atmospherics and diablo 2 continued that yeah 
Of course. That's what Diablo 3 was missing. Absolutely. That a- atmospheric component of it. Now, I went it back. It still had all the other ones. I went back to Diablo 2, and now, you know, you look at it now, and it isn't nearly as. I think, I think the. Uh, you know the what accounts for hor- horrific going to hell kind of uh, oh, yeah, yeah, ambiance yeah. is different now than what it was right like uh we're more jaded now yeah, yeah so like you know like you know like when we were 15 you know like going diablo 2 was pretty dark you know and uh if they made diablo 4 about student loans i'd be i'd be fucking terrified right <laughs> but like <laughs> but uh, different things terrify us yeah now. but you know i'm looking forward to diablo 4 and I, I urge you to watch the trailer because i think you're really going to enjoy it there's a very like yeah that, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna check when it i out. say clive barker there is a very much like a hellraiser-esque quality to the way yeah, that they okay. created this right uh and the next thing you got overwatch 2 uh which is gonna which is on also another big it's their biggest game right now right and this is going to be coming out uh we don't know we don't actually know when diablo 4 is coming out either but Overwatch 2 is going to be kind of a continuation of Overwatch 1, but it's going to be more uh, PvE elements, right? Um, that is that is some pretty cool stuff. You also have uh, WoW Shadowlands coming up next year, right? Uh, along this is going to be the expansion of, of World of Warcraft? Is that what it is? The next expansion? Yeah. So um, this is the this is essentially, uh, I think what, what's going on is like, there's another, and this is, I, I hate World of Warcraft for this because the story, the, the way that they have to fit in elements to create new gameplay yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. they really it's it's like fitting square pegs into round holes, right? Like it's Yeah, a, this is what happens when you let the gameplay direct the story and the plot, etc. It becomes a problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well there's a yeah, there's a whole thing. Shadowlands is where the uh trolls are, right? Oh uh, no. Well so like I actually don't know about that. The 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 way that this one works is that like I think there's it's like another dimension or something that's like opening a, a rift into like into your world where like Sylvanas okay. is like the where Sylvanas is like the main enemy. It's like who you're going to be fighting so, against. Like, so the story as it is so far is you, uh, Sylvanas was made war chief. Yeah. That this is the Battle of Azeroth stuff, right? A new kind of era of war begins between uh, the Alliance and the Horde. Sylvanas kind of goes a little crazy, uh-huh. apparently, and is like super genocidal. And where it last left off, there was an introduction of also a new kind of troll group, an a- a- ally of sylvanas a new kind of ally really? that involved um the loa of the trolls the, i know there was like baron and one of the one i think semedi was there or something like that mm. and that's where that's where i stopped and i think at the same time as they found a new ally for the horde uh jaina proudmore returned back to her homeland and was able to save her homeland and therefore that also brought in that naval pirate seafaring group of people into the that's where the story was i think i don't know any further than that so i'm interested in finding out how shadowlands fits into this i'm not a big fan of sylvanas becoming the big bad i've said this before i thought it was it was a dumb story arc in terms of the battle of azeroth they had a chance to make her interesting and they kind of now don't get me wrong i didn't want any redemption arc for her she's the fucking banshee queen yeah, right yeah. let her be the she is but there was a bizarre like you saw her under thrall you saw her under uh these different war chiefs and she was you know not honorable but there was an element of kind of anti-hero to her that was very interesting she was allied with the alliance quite well they worked well hand in hand to fight against uh, the iron horde and these other kind of components so to see her kind of be turned into just a caricature bad guy is silly she's a really compelling and interesting character i think her backstory is really tragic so I do think that's a big miss on on Blizzard's part, but whatever. What do I know? Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Now, the thing is, right? 
they came out swinging with the trailers and with gameplay and everything and you know people were all really excited you know but of course you know it wouldn't be blizzcon if they didn't invite some controversy you know (laughs) um and you know and and this year it literally started with it right and then i think i think that was the idea is that they kind of started with the bullshit and then eventually like hopefully that everyone forgets so they kind of like inundated you with all sorts of really cool um content stuff Right. But I will tell you that, you know, the one thing that and I'm glad that people are talking about it because I was worried that it would it would be buried in all the in all the cool game stuff. And we wouldn't and we wouldn't yeah. be talking about it. Right. But what I'm talking or what I'm speaking about here is the J. Allen Brack apology. Um, oh, right. Or the non-apology. The non-apology, actually. Right now, you know, just a quick recap. You know, this is he's essentially the president of Blizzard. Um, you know, their response, and he looks exactly how you would expect him to. Look. I swear to God, honestly, he looks he looks like if Sean Spicer went went to the buffet too much and grew out his hair. Like it was, he's got a weird. You now, when I saw him, he's got a weird Sean Spicer quality to him. I don't know what it is, right? But like that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, but just like Sean Spicer, you know, a lot of bullshit came out of his mouth without actually saying anything. Um, right. you know, and you know that that for just the provide context right this is essentially has to do with the whole hong kong protests right the uh banning of the two of the two uh casters as well as uh, blitz chung from hearthstone competition right and those other things and then them kind of you know pulling back on that now essentially he never actually mentioned the taiwanese casters blitz chung or anyone or anyone you know in that situation but he talked about how you know um you know he apologized and he kind of took took responsibility for talking about he you know, moving too quickly in the decision making and being too slow. To yeah, talk to the public, right. This is what it was. It was interesting to me. So his apology reframes this. Yeah. He doesn't apologize for the actions that were taken. He apologizes for the way they responded. I hate stuff like this. Yeah. Right. This is the like. This is very clearly. I apologize if I hurt your feelings. Type bullshit. Yeah. Uh, not like, oh, I'm sorry for what I've done. Right. So there is a level of of reframing this as. Oh, it was the tone that was the problem, yeah. right? We acted a little too harshly. We acted a little too quickly and we didn't speak to you soon enough. So we were too slow to speak to you. This, that's not the issue. The issue is that you allowed as much as you can deny it. And maybe it's not a conscious decision, but certainly the pressure of China was a big part of this. You can say that, you know, that people don't ex- they'll understand how hegemony and power work. No one needs to pick up the phone and be like, hey, I need you to stop that. I need you to cancel that. But there's an expectation that you will orient yourself towards whatever benefits you. And that is you're, you don't want to piss off your financiers. You don't want to piss off your funding. That's the issue here, right? You see more clear examples. Right now they talked about uh, in ABC, there was an anchor that was caught on a high, hot mic that talked about the Epstein thing, how she had the story three years in advance, but they killed the story. They wouldn't allow her to run it. First, it was uh, ABC going, who is Epstein? And then it was the palace, the royal palace of England, of, of the UK, yeah, yeah. that basically called and said, we will never allow you to interview Kate and Will and any of these people again if you run this. So all of the, there's that aspect where you like directly call and like you kill some story, you shape policy. That's a problem. And then there's the blizzard instance where you don't have to pick up the phone because you're president. You go, I know who my investors are and I don't want to piss off those investors. That's the issue. And that's what he refuses to address. That's what he he refuses to address the fact that he talks about uh, unity and, you know, making sure people's voices are heard. But then he he literally penalized someone. Oh, great. He stepped it back, but still penalized someone because of what? Their free speech. 
free speech on behalf of protesters. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's what he doesn't address, and that and it's really bad, right? Because uh, you know after after he kind of made that non-apology, he essentially just kind of jerked himself off on stage for the next five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It was a whole lot of like there are people from fifty nine different countries here today, you know, we're unified yeah. in epic entertainment and all this other bullshit, right? And it was like, yeah. and people cheered, right? And you know, and after I think once kind of the excitement went down, people kind of realized that he really didn't say anything. Yeah, right? yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping gamers don't let this slide i'm hoping that gamers will cling to their guns uh as they can right like they can be stubborn when they want to be i hope that they'll cling to their guns and that they'll punish blizzard for this that they will financially punish him that they will continue to boycott that they will continue to put pressure on them until blizzard recognizes that their one their apology was not enough and two what they did is the issue not how they did it but what they did is the problem i don't care if you you put a pretty bow on it you shouldn't have banned or punished this person you should have been like you know know what we respect his free speech yeah but i mean you're you're asking the gamers to to hold this guy accountable and i doubt that they will like realistically yeah no i, d- I doubt that they will yeah because like how many fans have hold, held lebron james accountable for what he said about china yeah well and this is this the reality is that at the end of the day cancel culture never really is particularly good at canceling people no right doing and we've talked about this exactly like there's the real gamer diablo 4 is going to come out even I said, I was like, Diablo Fusco, that sounds exciting to me. Now, I'm not going to buy it until I, you know, there's valid reason for it. But there's definitely, you know, a way of dealing with yeah, it. Exactly. They just I kind mean, of keep their head down, don't say anything else until Diablo 4 is released. Yeah. And then everyone will kind of forget in the process and they'll jump back on board with Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's look at pop culture, right? Like you have, everyone knows that uh, fucking Weiss and Benioff are assholes, but everyone still watched the last season of game of thrones you know yeah it, that's true. it was one of their highest viewed seasons like though to be honest there wasn't a reason to cancel them it wasn't like they had done anything they were just you can they're just shitty writers. they were assholes they were shitty writers but there was not there wasn't like a oh they're canceled like type of moment and i think there was some some component of it was completionist people start something like, i gotta finish this yeah but i mean at the same time bro like <laughs> yeah you, now yeah. i think there's a valid reason for canceling them right oh yeah that that tweet you sent us <laughs> yeah um, so they do they do something quite interesting there yeah you you sent a tweet i don't i don't know if uh you want to talk about rv if you want to talk about because i didn't read that tweet fully uh like the transcript of what happened i know uh v you tweeted back like damn i, I didn't think these people could could be bigger assholes yeah uh so uh there was a guy named, uh, at fort aria who was at the uh, Austin Film Festival, um, and essentially he was part of the uh, like the Weiss and Benioff panel, where they essentially talked about uh, how like the process in which the making of uh, Game of Thrones, and uh, you know it was a whole and the, you know I, I feel like I should say this because it's important. You know a lot of a lot of what people reacted to was kind of how this guy's transcript um the you know the the panel through his tweets so i think some of it kind of came off as a little bit more negative than it actually was right but if you read the actual transcripts right a lot of what they're doing was kind of justifying why they sucked you know in like the worst mm-hmm. possible way um yeah. you know but still a great deal of bullshit yeah and i you know and it what sucks is that I, i'm more annoyed by the fact that they completely they completely uh, left and they completely fucked over one of a series that we were enjoying for the first four seasons um, to, yeah. you know, because they wanted to do Star Wars. 
uh, you know, they had to deal yeah. with. And then now they're canceling Star Wars because they got to deal with Netflix. Right. Like, yeah. Think about how ridiculous well, that pa- is. Yeah. Part of it was also they, they talked about like their anxieties over the fandom. I think there is an element of like they, they were it was too big for them. They were kind of overwhelmed by the Star Wars stuff. They should never have been rewarded with Star Wars in the first yeah, place, yeah. in my opinion. That was a problem. But the issue here, that when you read the transcript and you read that conversation, it reeks of privilege. It really does. They talk about how, first of all, they didn't even know what they were doing. And they were open about it. Like, we had no clue what we were doing. We didn't even know how to deal with costume designers. Our pilot was a disaster. But HBO bent over backwards to accommodate yeah. them, to help them, to make things continue and go on. They go further in this. So that's the first level, this level of privilege of going, look, we fucked up. We don't know what we're doing. But hey, we still got rewarded. HBO still stuck with us. They continued it. They gave us kind of free reign. Do as many episodes as you like, as many seasons, even though they were from the very beginning, a complete disaster show. Then there's the element of, of just disrespect for the source material. I don't know how these fuckers ended up with this job because you can read the transcript and they just don't care about the source material. People ask, did you prepare? Did you read? Did you? Not really. They even go so further, so far as to insult the fan base. We really didn't want all that fantasy bullshit. Yeah, yeah, they really we wanted, wanted to. That, yeah. We wanted to bring on. We wanted to bring on soccer moms and, and whatnot. NFL like, players and shit. F- yeah, and NFL players. I'm like, this is this is a fantasy series. Yeah. Yeah, you you are successful. One of the reasons why this was successful because you was already had an established fan base. This is why people adapt books because there's a fan base that will watch it. So that's a problem. And look, great, they managed to 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 succeed in drawing other people. But in my opinion, they did so as a result of the source material, not because of anything they did. Mm-hmm. You look at the first couple seasons; they stick relatively to the main arc of the book. Yeah, right. And the first that's what gets was people completely. First season yeah. was completed of the first book. Like, yeah, they, they stick very closely to it. The acting is phenomenal. The 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 costuming is phenomenal. The atmospherics, once again, phenomenal. And I think that helps them out. But the thing that really gets to me is, I'm like, all right, they're disrespectful to fantasy nerds, but whatever. Not everyone likes fantasy. Fuck them. The, wow, look at the level of pressure. But the thing that pisses me off is this language where they talk about, well, did you ever even consider bringing on other writers to help yeah, you with yeah. this? No, that's what pisses me off. This, an, this was an opportunity to bring on young writers, uh, new writers, people who needed a big break, people of color. They could have had, taken this moment and go, hey, we don't know shit, but maybe we can turn to the people around us who know something, who could use this big break, who can – but the level of greed, the level of I'm going to hold this to myself that you see in this transcript, that really irked me. That's what I'm going. These people should never be allowed to be showrunners ever again don't let them because not only are they damaging whatever franchise that they take on they're doing a great deal of damage to that fandom they're also doing damage to the industry like people were talking about like what would have what difference would it have made if they had brought on a black woman writer yeah yeah right what story would have been told how much there with their perspective and look, it just it would have benefited them. Less stress for them. Less work for them, right? Like there's a mutually beneficial component to this by by working collaboratively and refusing to do so. Now you look back at, oh, now it makes sense why the final seasons were such shit because of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And it's not unique to Dan d and d right? Lena Dunham talks about this as well. She, uh, her pilot for the proposal for girls, mm-hmm. um, was like a page long 
It was just like shit she just wrote. And they, just a page handed it in and they worked with her to develop it. That certain people with access to the industry, generally white or people who have a foot in the door, it's not always white, but generally is, also could be you have some connection, that those people get a great deal of the benefit of the Tao in contrast to people who have to work their fucking ass off and go above and beyond and they still get canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, white mediocrity is a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. You know, you don't have to do much to be successful as you're white. Um, but even with all this shit that people were talking about that last season of Game of Thrones, um, they announced that they're uh, coming off, coming out with their first spinoff series, uh, House of Dragon. So yeah, 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 and and people are, and it's supposed to like, like they just they just announced it, um, and they did an initial ten episodes. They're doing it, but that's the one that's uh, George R. R. Martin is tied to that, like he's part of that. Yeah, so uh, it's actually based on one of like the companion books that George R. R. Martin uh, wrote. So it, it he's going to be on there. They have it's so it's co-created by him, Ryan Condal. And then uh, Miguel Spachnik will also partner partner with uh, Ryan Condal as the sh- the showrunner, and uh, they'll direct the the pilot in additional episodes. But it's based off the uh, the companion book called Fire and Blood, which takes place three hundred years before Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, so it's talking about like the events that led to the Targaryens' reign over Westeros. Um, so that should be fun because the Targaryens their their whole story like if you've read the books and stuff is actually super interesting. Yeah. Uh, it also gets back to the heart of what game of Thrones really does well. And that's that political intrigue. Yeah, right. So like, well, a, a lot of fans are speculating that they're going to talk about the, uh, the dance of dragons, which was a dispute that yeah. divided the Targaryens and split the country yeah. into a civil war. Yeah. So, you know, like, but there are other ones that were planned as well. well. There were supposed to be five, right? Like it got announced. They're going to do five spinoffs. Um, two have been, two of them have been like axed. They cut, they cut them off. Right. Cause they, they, they said that they didn't, they weren't worthy of holding the game of Thrones title. Three are in limbo. And then this one just came up out of nowhere for whatever reason. Like, so this wasn't even one of the ones that was planned, but they, they greenlit it. Um, well, the one that was canceled was meant to be the thousands of years earlier, the first White Walker invasion. Yeah, so it was supposed um, to be the the story of man, right? So it was supposed to come yeah. uh, three thousand years and the last hero, yeah, the last exactly. Hero. So it was supposed to come out, uh, sorry, five thousand years before the events of Game of Thrones. Um, it was supposed to star Naomi Watts and uh, feature the director from Jessica Jones, who's uh, S.J. Clarkson. So it explored the age of man and the conflict between humans and the children of the forest. Um, they had a lot of hype for it, but I guess the production was rocky and the pilot didn't impress HBO executives. So at this point, the series is uh, is tabled. But, yeah, you know, which sucks because I think that's my the, the my biggest gripe with the last season of Game of Thrones is how like the White Walkers ended. Because I want to know more about the White Walkers. They were the most yeah. interesting part of, yeah. you know, like the political stuff is cool. Like the that stuff's great but like the big bad of the white walkers is what like i was interested in them in the most and like how the night king became the night king and all this yeah so but this is this is the thing that that kind of makes me go what the fuck it's like what gets greenlit and what gets canceled you know what i mean like so this pilot apparently didn't live up to the standards and it gets canceled mm-hmm. how on earth did 
the pilot of Game of Thrones. Not that I'm, you know, complaining. Great, it got greenlit, mm-hmm. but how did it get through? Right? What what was the difference there? And that's what drives me nuts about this: is these corporate decisions that are made that of what gets greenlit. What there isn't a, a clear logic to it besides. Uh, how much profit they can fucking squeeze out of it mm-hmm. and to the level of privilege, right? Like that more than anything else becomes deciding factors, like why they greenlit in some things and cancel other things. Like to me, this pilot sounded fine. Yeah. There would have been interest for it. There was no reason to cancel it other than it didn't have the same connections that D&D had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, why was Confederate greenlit? You know, like. Yeah. What? Yo, seriously. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Are they, right? are they still yeah. going with that or no? No, it's on pause uh, indefinitely, but we'll see because I think they may do this thing where they wait till the fervor dies down. And I hope that's not what happens. But this is – I really do believe that the exposure that we see here of D&D should be the death of their career. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because they ruined Game of Thrones, right? It's a it's a show. Who gives a fuck, they, yeah, right? Yeah. Ruined Wolverine. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the Game of Thrones fans. I love Game of Thrones too, but it's not like – that's not my – you know, I'm not such a fan that it's like, oh, you got to ruin someone's life because they ruined the show. For me, it's an indication of just how much damage they did to the industry, mm-hmm. how fucking entitled they are. That shouldn't be rewarded. Don't reward bad behavior. Don't reward entitled behavior. That's a problem. If you want to start to address, you want to put out real good stories out there, stop giving stories to people like D&D and give it to someone else. And there are fantastic writers out there that would have lo- like would have killed for a chance to work on Game of Thrones. Give it to someone like that. Give it to someone who's genuinely going to put an effort to learn about the source material, who's genuinely going to care about feedback and adjust accordingly, and who's genuinely going to care about telling a good story rather than just hey look how much money we can squeeze out of this yeah there, you know there's so many better writers out there with better ideas so yeah you know. well we're gonna end the uh, podcast here this was a very nerd heavy podcast as is rightly so we talked a lot about uh, blizzard we talked about game of thrones uh and in particular we kind of took a different approach we didn't just give you the news about this we took a, a an a angle of examining the sort of corporate influence behind these decisions looking at the decision behind blizzard looking at the decision behind game of thrones and hbo let us know what you think about this are you cool with D D's uh interview do you have a problem with it are you excited for the prequels or what do you think about blizzard do you think that we should be boycotting them or are you down to buy diablo 4 when it comes out diz will let you know how you can get a hold of us yes you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash currently nerdy twitter at currently nerdy instagram at currently nerdy tumblr currently nerdy.tumblr.com we're on uh youtube youtube.com slash currently nerdy stitcher google play itunes you can find us on there under currently nerdy um if you haven't subscribed to us, what the fuck are you doing with your life, bro? <laughs> like, seriously, you're listening to us and you haven't subscribed. You're an idiot. And if you have subscribed, thank you. If you've subscribed and haven't given us a five-star rating and a review, then, dude, what the hell's wrong with your life, bro? Like, are you serious? Fucking All right, no more shaming. Get Stop on it. there. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Um, and, and make your friends listen to us, man. Expose them to Currently Nerdy. If you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can I get a hold of you? Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at vtran214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214. My website, thesandwichslayer.com. Elite. 
You can catch me on my website, alialomi.com, or on social media at A-A-O-L-O-M-I, both on Twitter and Instagram. I just released a tweet last week uh, for Halloween talking about uh, possession and gin marriages, so check that out. I've got another one coming out this current uh, Wednesday on Legendary Creatures. Uh, I also just recently did an interview with Voice of Islam UK. It's a major radio show out there in Britain where I talked about the uh, contributions of Islam to Western civilization. This was based off of a sort of viral tweet that that, that I put out there. Uh, so go give them uh, a listen. Uh, check them out, uh, Voice of Islam uh, UK. Uh, and you can hear me talk about uh, Islam, the West, history, and a bit of intellectual history. Uh, Diz. You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla. That's Twitter, Instagram, Xbox Live, Pornhub. Um, I'm also on the currently, no, uh, currently Nerdy Sports Podcast. I'm not getting interviewed by, by random news outlets but i am telling you about who you should start in fantasy football and who you should bench um itunes still hasn't picked this up because as i said last week they're racist but um it's on soundcloud right now so uh soundcloud.com slash currently nerdy sports go check that out for everyone here at currently nerdy thank you for tuning in and remember stay smart sexy nerds all hail the currently nerdy empire